Hello, and welcome to CavernCast. Firstly, I hope you're well. Secondly, I um, I need to address my overthinking brain. I was talking about going to see Busted in the last episode, and I told you that my friend and I got there at the the last second, just before they just as they were starting, and because we are quite tall, we ended up annoying the two people stood behind us. I want to explain that this wasn't a general standing show. Um, this was a seated show where everyone was stood up because it's busted and it's not the, uh, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra uh, or the opera or the ballet. So standing up is a strongly encouraged thing um so yeah we did we didn't arrive at the show and just push our way in that would be a dick move and i have much more etiquette than that we were in our allocated seats but we were just stood up my um my calming balance is very important to me when i go to shows i love being involved but i'm also six too uh, so I always try and either be in a mosh pit where it doesn't matter in the slightest or uh, I'll always try to at least at some point offer my shoulders for someone uh, say it's their favourite song and they could be like I'll be like yeah go up on my shoulders get a good view um, yeah that, that that's the uh, that's the balance for me um which is interesting, actually. Um, I guess a little PSA to anybody who does that. Because um, I was just thinking about, I was going back to like the last times I've had people on my shoulders, and um, I sort of didn't really think about it too much before, but one particular surprised reaction made me think it might be a little bit rarer than I think, or than I thought. Um, yeah, if you have anyone on your shoulders, especially people you don't know, you you tend to have to put your hands on people's legs to stabilize them when they're up there. If you have to do this above the knee, say if they're moving about quite a bit and holding onto the shins isn't quite cutting it, please ask them if it's okay um, to do so. If someone's on your shoulders enjoying a show, you sort of, you don't want half of their mind to be on where your hands are. It's just courteous, I think. Um, you know, gigs and festivals can be crazy places, and it's good to be a, a bit of stability where you can be, in as many ways as you can be. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, happy belated Halloween. If you did anything, I hope you had fun. I did for the for the first time in ages. I, I'd never, I haven't done Halloween in a long time, but this time, I did. Uh, I have this whole mustache thing now. Don't know if you've seen that. If you follow me on TikTok or anywhere else, you'd see I've been uh, flexing the stash. Uh, 
um, very, very much so. And um, I guess uh, it's Movember, isn't it? I'm seeing a lot of very good, very good stashes on the boys around. It's, uh, it's good to see. It's impressive. I like it a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I think it's a wonderful cause. I think raising awareness. I think raising money. I think raising any thing, raising our stashes to um, help men's mental health. I think is a wonderful thing. Um, my, you know, the last decade for me has been dedicated to mental health in one way or another because mine hasn't been the greatest and has has never been um the most stable so i've tried to do what i can to uh, understand more about myself and then spread it to men women whoever alike because you never know if just one nugget is gonna reach someone and I, you know, I'll get messages from some from people about something that I've said, just on a whim, which has been something that's been obvious to me for years, but only because it's it's been ingrained in there, in my noggin. Um, but the way that it sort of resonated and bounced around in my head, then when I put it back out there into the world, the way I say it might, and I think has resonated with uh, people slightly differently than than the same thing being said in other ways does that make sense you just got to find your people man and you know having someone say that kind of stuff to you in a way that makes sense to you is very important um so hopefully i'm doing that and i continue to do that but on halloween i was a pirate <laughs> i was a very very cool looking pirate because i have the mustache um, I looked hot, man. I'm not. I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not one for flexing too hard about stuff like that. But I, I looked hot. I did. I looked okay. I looked okay. I was also like half the reason I never do anything for Halloween is because I, I never put any thought into Halloween costumes. I mean, like. If I do do anything for Halloween, it's usually I'll usually have like four half-formed ideas in my head that I think would look really awesome. And then it's creeping anxiety in the week leading up to Halloween because I haven't sorted anything yet and haven't fully formed any of those ideas. And when the actual day arrives, I just end up dressed as that exact half-formed idea that was in my head. I always have that, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, I can just get this from here and that from there and, you know, oh, Amazon Prime, it's fine, that's what the tagline should be, Amazon Prime, for those of you who can't organise to save your life, but apart from that, Halloween was good, I was a cool pirate, uh, it was fun, I hope you had a nice one if you did anything for it, I, uh, I think, I think there may be a few more of you listening now, I hope you are well too. Thank you for being here. I'm very glad you are. And if you're if you're in need of uh, if you're in need of relaxation, a chill space, something to help you wind down, keep you company, or drift off to, 
then you have reached the right place. That is what you can do while I take five random words from a random word generator and just talk about whatever comes to mind to do with them. Sometimes it's a story, sometimes it is fun, sometimes it's interesting facts, and sometimes, a lot of the time, it is absolute nonsense. Which is basically how my mind works in a nutshell. So without any any further ado, without any further ado, I shall get started with these words. I hope you are comfortable, I hope you are ready. Because the first word is a word I have been wanting to come up for so long, so long, and that word is dinosaur. As soon as that word popped up, my inner child shot his hand up, was like, I got this, I got the dibs, dibs on this, I got it. I used to love dinosaurs, I still do. I definitely, I'm not like against them now or anything. I'm just not reading reading books on them anymore like I used to. Um, which makes it sound like I'm really um, educated on dinosaurs. I'm not. Because before I get started on anything else, let me, let me tell you about my dodo fact that I found out. In case you missed it before. Uh, I was under the impression that dodos, the bird, the, the now extinct bird... Uh, I thought dodos were around in the prehistoric times. This is because I learned some of my historical knowledge from the 2001 DreamWorks animated classic Ice Age uh, with Sid the Sloth. I was wrong. Dodos didn't go extinct until 1681, so a few years after the Ice Age, because humans went over to Mauritius and ate them. Dickheads. Absolute propaganda. I thought the dodo was just a stupid bird. Nope, just wiped out by arseholes who were peckish. But do you know who was around way back then? The Tyrannosaurus Rex. That guy. Know him? Yeah? Big head? Short stubby arms? Goes rah a lot. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you got it. Well, here's something that'll blow your mind. Well, it blew mine anyway. Uh, I used to think, along with perhaps yourself, that all dinosaurs lived during the same geological period. This is a falsehood. You know about the Stegosaurus, right? Well, he is hella old school. And bro actually existed during the late Jurassic period, which was about 150 million years ago. Tyrannosaurus Rex was, oh, the T-Dog, was chilling during the late Cretaceous period, about 72 million years ago. Stegosaurus was extinct for 66 million years before T-Dog and his bros started vibing. They had some distance between them, man. So what we have, what we have is the Mesozoic era, which spanned like over like 180 million years, and that included the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods. 
um, and during this, a species of non-avian dinosaur evolved into a species of avian dinosaur. So avian means is to do with flying. So the avian dinosaur that came about is what we would call a bird. Every species of non-avian dinosaur went bye-bye at least 66 million years ago. So, with this knowledge, we now have the answer to which came first, the chicken or the egg. And the answer is the egg. Wait, is it? <laughs> Hang on, how does this work? Yeah, it's the egg. Yeah, because the first chicken would have come from the egg that came from a species a tiny bit different to the chicken and then we have the chicken <laughs> okay good glad i had so much confidence in my answer there um what was i gonna say oh yeah but wait there's more uh you you've heard of everyone saying everything tastes like chicken right like, mm, this tastes like chicken. Mm, this tastes like chicken. If you haven't, that, that is the thing that people have said. But because chickens evolved from dinosaurs, everything doesn't actually taste like chicken. Everything tastes like dinosaur. There are your cool fun facts for today. Ta-da. <laughs> Ka-chow. Going back to the um, the extinction thing, actually, I'm I'm hearing more and more that the uh, the big meteor that was supposed to have wiped them all out is a theory that is apparently somewhat skewed. Firstly, I always thought that it was like it was the impact of the big meteor that sent them all to dinosaur Jesus, but uh, apparently it would have actually been like the radiation from it, or like or like the like the the big ash clouds. Um, that would have would have made them be all like, um, can you breathe? Bro, no, I literally cannot breathe. What the hell? Dude, I feel sleepy. Dude, me too. That snow is kind of pretty though, bro. Bro, I know. Good night, bro. Good night, bro. That was actually a conversation uh, between two brontosauruses who abbreviated each other's names as a term of endearment. And they actually had a really chill time together and spent most of their time together until they both fell asleep, lying next to each other forever. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. You never hear about that in the history books. God, um, I should, I should add that into things that could potentially be talked about in this podcast absolute random waffle stories about dinosaurs um what else about dinosaurs oh yeah so my inner child got hold of this and this is something that has annoyed me since i was him you know when you get into real arguments with other kids as a kid about things that are they're, they're so incredibly trivial but because you don't have a decent perspective on the gravity of the real world yet that argument was the most important discourse in your life at that point i used to have that about the pronunciation of diplodocus 
And the Diplodocus is the dinosaur with the really long neck that often gets memed, but it has a really long neck and just used to eat leaves and fruits from very, very tall trees. Think of a giraffe, but like bigger and more dopey looking. Um, anyone I ever encountered saying Diplodocus would catch these hands, bro. I'm not even kidding. I am kidding. Also, it didn't really happen that much because why would it? I say that like it's a common occurrence for me to have discourse about the pronunciation of dinosaur names. But, you know, I was clearly passionate enough about it to remember it all these years later. So if any of you do pronounce it Diplodocus, please stop listening at once, unfollow me, and go educate yourself. Wait, no, am I, am I educating you here? Are we doing that here right now? Yeah. So, stay? Yeah, you can stay. Please stay. I like having you here. You know what else is really old? The apple. Well, I assume it is, anyway. Maybe not, considering my knowledge of the dodo. Um, <laughs> apples have only existed as long as the United States of America. Actually, no, Isaac Newton did the whole, uh, the gravity thing with the apples, didn't he? When was he around? When was, when, when was gravity invented? <laughs> I was about to kick oh my god it's it is. I started saying when was gravity and when was gravity invented was it that was an actual thing that come came up I love the internet uh 1666 oh so not that far off to be fair actually man it's so crazy that before that everything just floated um what I realized is I've actually done apples before but I think I, I can talk about, I'm not usually one for like consciously repeating words, but I can talk a lot about apples. And actually, last time it was apples, and this time it's apple, so it's fine. <laughs> so like, uh, I've got a pretty good hold on impulsive urges, you know, like, I take pride in my self-control for the most part. Um, Kind of have to, addiction's kind of been a big old thing in my life, so... Uh, haven't really had the choice. No, I have had the choice, and that is the point. Um, there is, however, something I do struggle with often, and uh, that thing is choosing to not absolutely hoof an apple that has fallen from a tree onto the ground. Most of the time, it's on the floor, but I am I'm not adverse to picking one up from time to time and drop kicking that sumbitch into the atmosphere it's very satisfying in in the same way that uh those tiktok videos of watching glass bottles roll down the stairs and smash is really satisfying um although whoever has done that whoever created that channel um has definitely shot themselves in the foot also go watch those videos by the way they're really satisfying um Whoever's made that channel has shot themselves in the foot because now they have to keep pushing the envelope to keep people entertained. So they have to do they have to do more hardcore stuff, which creates even more mess, which is even more cleanup. So when does it end for them? Maybe this creator will actually 
bring about the end of the world, start to cause an apocalypse because their videos have escalated to the point where the only way to push the limit of what they've already done is just to blow up the planet. And they're like, oh my god, how, how good was that, guys? So satisfying. <laughs> wow. Be sure to like and subscribe for more. Well, no, they can't say that because that's it. They're just talking to no one. Well, mind you, a lot of content creators are talking to no one and they still say like and subscribe and follow for more. Everyone's got to start somewhere. And we all have to end somewhere too. Well, Okay. Let's move on. Apples are tasty, man. Um, I think they just hit all the senses in the right way. You know what I mean? Feel, smoothness, and crunchiness. Ooh, mm. Smell, sweet, divine, mm, fresh. The sound, once again, ooh, that crunch. Mm. And then, obviously, taste. Delectable, succulent, refreshing sweet, heavenly, unless it's one of those mushy ones, you know, you can definitely get some shite apples, but it's good, most of them are, most of them are good, wait, am I forgetting a sense, sight, oh yeah, of course, um, (laughs) apples look sexy, (laughs) that's not right, is it appealing, appealing, app, app, Apple, 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 apples look appealing. They look nice. I mean, if it was, if it was good enough for Eve, it's good enough for me. I'm really trying today. I think talking about the dinosaurs has brought out that silly part of my brain. Um, but it's just a bit rusty. Can't say I don't commit to the bit though. Um, I know I've just described how pleasant apples are to all the senses, but I reckon there could have been something way more enticing than an an apple to get Eve to take a bite, you know, back in the day. How about equal pay for women? You know, put that on a tree. That money can grow on trees. Apparently, um, apparently apples are 25% air? Which is why they float in water, like um, you know, a- a- apple bobbing. We'll get to apple bobbing in a- in a minute. But twenty five percent air is mental. That's capitalism for you. It's a good thing they don't make apple flavor crisps. Otherwise, you'd you'd open the packet and there would literally be one solitary crisp in there. That was a joke about uh, how when you buy a packet of crisps, it's mostly air just in case you didn't get that, because it saves money to not give you as much crisp for your spending of your hard-earned money. There's a certified cavern quip there. Um, They probably have made apple flavor crisps, to be fair. Do they do it? I've heard of apple cider vinegar crisps, I think, or potato chips. Oh no, there are, there actually are apple crisps. But, um, <laughs> I sounded like, oh no, Melanie. Oh, she was really nice. Oh yeah, so there are apple crisps, but they're made of apple instead of being apple flavoured. 
I mean, same thing, still a scam in my books. Oh my god, is that why they're called MacBook Airs? Because they're made by Apple. I've done it, I've solved the case. What case, you ask? Classified. So apple bobbing and toffee apples, let's talk about them. Some people call them caramel apples. I've always called them toffee apples. It's interchangeable, it doesn't matter. This is about apples, so it's all good. Candy apples, I think, is a good all-inclusive term, so we'll go with that. Ladies, gentlemen, and candy apples. Um, they're very Halloween-y, right? I, I always associate them personally with Halloween, but they were actually, or just autumn time, I guess, they were actually invented as a Christmas thing in 1908 by a fella named William Kolb. Old Billy Kolb. Old Billy Boy was a candy maker from New Jersey. And originally they weren't actually made to be eaten. They were made to be put in his shop window and the hardened candy was used to make them look more tantalizing. Is tantalizing the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Sure. So... He put them in the window, these tantalizing apples. People came in and said, Oh my god, they look so tasty. Can I please eat them? And he was like, Yeah, okay, sure, knock yourself out. Which would have been a dangerous thing to say because those things are solid. And there would always be that one kid that would take it as a challenge. It would have been me. I would have been that kid. Always have been that kid. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, yeah, so it, it, totally invented by accident. And I love stuff like that because so many things have been invented by accident. One of my favorite ones is penicillin. You know, the absolute wonder drug that has helped cure so many people of illness. In 1928, Dr. Alexander Fleming decided to take a little vacay from his work. And when he came back, he found mold growing on a petri dish of bacteria. And what he noticed was that the mold that had grown was actually preventing the bacteria around it from growing. And so he identified that the mold produced a self-defense chemical that could kill bacteria. He named that penicillin because he was a little bit careless when he left. And when you think about how many lives have been saved because of that, life is all about the, the happy accidents, man. Serendipity. The complete opposite of serendipity would be dating apps, which is, funnily, watch this segue, dating apps are kind of the same as apple bobbing. This works. Because apple bobbing actually had romantic origins. Even though we do it now, it's like a Halloween thing. Back in the, in the 14th, I'm really sorry, I'm wearing, oh, I'm wearing an anxiety ring. And I'm, when I talk, I gesture and it, it might shake. So you might be, a, I really hope you can't hear that. Let's have our fingers crossed that you can't. Um, I apologize if you can. Anyway, I highly recommend the anxiety rings, by the way. Um, just ones that like you can just spin. Um, they, they've helped me a lot. Anyway. Uh, what was I, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, apple bobbing having romantic origins. Yeah, so, um, um, 
even though we do it as a Halloween Halloween thing, Halloween thing now. Back in the 14th century, women in Britain would bob their heads in water while attempting to bite into apples that were named for their male suitor. So they, I don't know if they like wrote it in ink or like carved it in or carved their initial in, I don't know. Um, but if the woman bit into the apple after one try, they and the, the suitor were fated and destined for love. If it was the second try, the suitor would pursue the woman, but the romance would eventually fade and just die, wither away. And if it took three times to bite into the apple, absolutely no chance in hell they had. It's don't even just major ick straight away. (laughs) Oh my God, three bites. That's an ick. That's a red flag. (laughs) Um, And then apparently it's it's, it's a little bit like... um, throwing the flowers, like throwing the bouquet at a wedding. Sometimes they did it as a race. They did the apple bobbing as a race, and the the first person to bite into the apple would be the one to get married first. Um, And then this this is where it gets a little bit crazy, as if it wasn't crazy already. Um, We're all crazy. It doesn't matter. Uh, For for even better luck, women believe, some, some women, I'm sure not, all women, but some women believe that placing the bitten apple under their pillow when they slept would allow them to see their soulmate during their dreams. So apple bobbing is basically just swiping and matching on Tinder or Bumble, just without seeing them. You just dive in headfirst and hope for the best. They should make a dating app that's like that. And they should call it Bobble. (laughs) But without the E on the end. Because, um, you know, that's what they're all like. Wait, there must be a blind dating app. Surely, there must be. I feel like they were like... You know, like they're kind of like the old... It would be like the equivalent of like the old dating chat rooms back in the day. So there must be ones now. Oh yeah, Blinder. There you go, without the E. Blinder. Um, brilliant. Or Blindly is another one. There you go. If that's your thing, go have a look. I prefer bobble, but whatever floats your boat. All right, let's crack on. Um, The next word is vagabond. 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 You know, in the the circle of life from The Lion King, the Elton John version, though, I got the lyric in that so wrong for so many years. The actual lyric goes... It's enough to make kings and vagabonds believe the very best. So, oh, there's flies. I always thought it was, it's enough to make kings say vagabones. Like, why would a king say that? That's a crazy thing to say. The circle of life must be a hell of a thing to make someone like a king say something as crazy as that. Nope. Kings and vagabonds. Because a vagabond is just, is someone who wanders from place to place, just roaming, no job, no commitments, just vibes, man. 
and they would be seen by society as someone very different from a king, almost the other end of the spectrum. But the circle of life, oh my god, I've got the song wrong. I've just realized I've got the song wrong. It's Can You Feel the Love Tonight. I've done it again. How many of you must have been saying that while I've been talking about it? Well, it worked. It's not in a circle, the circle of love. It's not that. Can you feel the love tonight? Here's where we are. It's enough to make kings and vagabonds. Oh my God, believe the very best. I'm so sorry. Well, if you were saying it to me, it worked. It got through and I did realize you time traveled as well. So well done. I appreciate it. I like the idea of a vagabond. It's a very interesting way to live. It doesn't really work with the society we have now. At least not Western society anyway, because like, you need money. I think it could be good spiritually in terms of not being tied down and feeling free, but I feel like the path to obtaining money dishonestly would be quite a quick one. But even if you weren't to go down that route, back in the day it was always kind of frowned upon by law anyway. In most places back in the day, the, the law didn't really like people who weren't part of the system, or particular communities, they were seen as outsiders. And I assume that the more they were seen as outsiders, the more they committed, committed, committed crime to survive, which meant they were then ostracized even more, and it would just become this vicious circle. Not too dissimilar from the prison systems of today, I guess, where it all seems to be more about punishment than rehabilitation. If you were brought up in an environment where crime was all you knew, you never would have even had a choice. You were just doing what you knew. And if you got caught, instead of being given the chance to understand yourself and why you do the things you do and believe eternally that there are other paths that exist other than the one you've been walking down so far, you would just be punished or cast out and you would just feel divided from any community except the one that acts in the same way as you because they feel like your people. That got a little bit serious for a, for a second, but yeah. Yeah, I think always believe that there can be a better path for you. I don't really have much else to say on Vagabond except that whatever stage of life you're in, Whatever your circumstances may be, it may not be the easiest to get there, but always believe there can be a different path if you want there to be. And now we're going to move on to roast. Roast, and straight away, roast potatoes, man. Out of all the ways to prepare a spud, roast potatoes. It's got to be the most delicious and satisfying way to do it. It has to be a good one, though. Thoughts of bad roast potatoes take me back to primary school. Primary school dinner where you would just... You'd get two or three of the most sad-looking, most uncrispy, flaccid, 
roast potatoes you've ever experienced in your life. I mean, I kind of get it, you know, cooking for a load of kids at the same time, there's only so much crunch you can give it, but come on guys, come on Tracy, you could have done better than that. I like Tracy though, she was fun, she was a good dinner lady. She gave me an extra cake once when I asked for it. I do pride myself on my own roast potatoes though, they are wonderful indeed, I get, I get that crispiness got it down to a T. I normally do them um, Hasselback style, which is where you parboil them, take them out, drain them, let them sit for a bit, let them chill, have a vibe, watch some Netflix. The potatoes, not you, the potatoes watch some Netflix, they'll watch like The Bear or something. And then when they've cooled down, had a little moment, you cut little slices all the way along the top of them, so that when you roast them, they really soak up all of what you got, what you're cooking them in. Oh, and they just taste unreal. Makes them hella crispy too. Mmm. God damn. In fact, I'm just I'm real good at roast dinners in general. I feel like I've flexed about this before. I feel like this is quite a flexy podcast for me. Not a podcast, like a flexi episode of the podcast in general. And you know what? Sometimes I just can. Maybe it was just Christmas dinners I was talking about before, actually. Either way, I'm very good at them. I'm very good. I don't know if you were expecting me to talk about roast, like roasting people. Not literally, obviously. I mean, like taking the piss out of people. Um, But I'm not going to do that here. It's all fun and games if you want it to be, but I'm going to keep it nice. I'm not going to say a bad word about anybody. Nope. Except you, Katie. You smell. (laughs) I really hope that there's a Katie listening. If there is, thank you. And I'm so sorry for using you as a patsy for that joke. (laughs) You're great, Katie. Don't worry about it. Um... Sunday roasts, man. I think the Sunday roast is probably, I think thinking about it, it's probably one of the only actual British meals. Like when you're talking about national dishes and patriotism, I would say it would be that. I think it came from Yorkshire originally. 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 Um, 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 yeah. The Sunday roast originated in the British Isles, particularly Yorkshire, as a meal to be eaten after the church service on Sunday. Eating a large meal following church services is common to most of Europe, but the Sunday roast variant developed unique to the British Isles. On Sundays, all types of meat and dairy produce are allowed to be eaten. This is unlike Fridays, where many Christians of the Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Methodist denominations traditionally abstain from eating meats, so ate fish instead. Oh, that's where fish and chips came from. Yeah. Yeah, that's why my nan always said, oh, we have fish and chips on a Friday. Likewise, it is traditional for Anglicans and English Catholics to fast before Sunday services with a larger meal to break the fast afterwards. These Christian religious rules created several traditional dishes in the United Kingdom. There we go. 
there are two historical points on the origins of the modern Sunday roast. In the late 1700s, during the Industrial Revolution in the United Kingdom, families would place a cut of meat in the oven as they got ready for church. They would then add in vegetables such as potatoes, turnips, and parsnips before going to church on a Sunday morning. When they returned from church, the dinner was all but ready. The juices from the meat and vegetables were used to make a stock or gravy to pour on top of the dinner. The juices from the meat and vegetables were used to make a stock or gravy to pour on top of the dinner. Oh, gravy, my favourite thing. Mm-mm-mm. The second opinion holds that the Sunday roast dates back to medieval times when the village serfs served the squire for six days a week. Then, on Sunday, after the morning church service, serfs would assemble in a field and practice their battle techniques and were rewarded with the feast of oxen roasted on a spit. So you see, either way there, it was over here. And it makes me proud. There's not a crazy amount of things I'm proud of Britain for, but this is, this is one of them. I feel like it'd be a church thing, that makes more sense to me, but there was probably some variant of it back in the day. And with that we're going to move on to the last word of today, which is Zephyr. A word that I have come actually come across a few times in my life, but I still don't really know what it means. So let's have a look, shall we? In Greek mythology and religion, Zephyrus, also spelled in English as Zephyr, is the god and personification of the West Wind, one of the several wind gods, the Anamoi. The son of Aeos, the goddess of the dawn, and Astraeus, Zephyrus is the most gentle and favourable of the winds, and is also associated with flowers, springtime, and even procreation. I like this guy. In myths, he is presented as the tender breeze, and he is known for his unrequited love for the Spartan prince, Hyacinthus. Oh, I was getting these vibes. Although he, along with Boreas, 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 are the two most prominent wind gods, their role in mythology is relatively limited. Zephyrus, similarly to his brothers, also received a minor cult during ancient times, although his worship was fairly minor compared to others and he was overshadowed by the more important gods, such as the Twelve Olympians. Nevertheless, traces of it are found in classical Athens and surrounding regions and city-states, where it was usually joined with the cults of the other wind gods. So a zephyr is a gentle breeze. Hence the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, the Zephyr song. Fly away on my Zephyr, I feel it more than ever, and in this perfect weather, we'll find a place together. Yeah, fly away on my light breeze. 
I think that could be my new favourite thing. I think he's my new favourite god. Do you know what? I mean that. Because, I mean, like, there's no such thing as perfect weather, really. But I feel like a warm day with a light breeze is about as close as you can get to perfect. And let me tell you why. I think that on a day that is particularly hot, when the sun is beaming down with seemingly no relief, a zephyr coming along unannounced is the perfect thing to bring you into the present moment and brings with it an enormous amount of gratitude for most people. I'm not sure I know anyone who would be annoyed at the feeling of a breeze at that time. There are other weathers which bring about a sense of presence. Snow, for a lot of people, does that. Another Red Hot Chili Peppers song. But if you're from a place where there is snow all the time, you won't get that presence or gratitude as much because it's something that you're used to. So unless you're actively present, it won't come as naturally. But when it comes to a gentle breeze on a hot day, I think that that always comes as a welcome relief. I can't remember what film it was in, but there was this village in, I think it was, it was either in China or Thailand. I think it was China. And the workers were in the field doing their work. And it was a really hot day, a really hot summer's day. And they were working away. And all of a sudden, this zephyr comes along. And everybody, pretty much at the same time, stops their work, stands up, and just fully embraces and appreciates this breeze, like it was almost spiritual. They were fully present in the moment that that breeze was just passing through. And then when it ended, they just got back to what they were doing. They got back to work. I don't know whether that is a common practice in Eastern culture, but it was beautiful. And it was I think it was the first time in a film I saw like presence and being completely present in the moment was displayed in a film that I'd seen. But I'm really glad I watched whatever film that was. I cannot remember for the life of me what it was. I think it was a martial arts film because I was really into martial arts films back then. But I think being conscious of small moments like that day to day especially ones that involve gratitude, is a wonderful, wonderful way and an extremely healthy way to live your life. And I think that that is a wonderful place to leave it. I am going to go and float away on my own zephyr, which sounded cheesier than I expected it to. But I can't think of a better place to leave it So thank you very much for listening this week. I'm heading to Ireland for the first time soon, so I'll let you know how that is. 
I hope the coming days for you are good. Whatever happens, please do take care of yourself. Please do be kind to yourself. And I'm going to try and do the same thing. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Alright, have a good one. Bye.